Stuart Briscoe once said, preachers preach the gospel, help the hurting and those in need, then pray like crazy <laughs> because you don't know how to do either one of the first two. I think the point that Briscoe was trying to get at is let's humble ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit that inspires anything that is set apart and good. It's a self, it's not a self-centered goodness. It's a Christ-centered greatness. And we're just the messengers delivering God's message of grace. Let's talk about it. In today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. Jesus has taken the punishment for every single person that's in this room. He put the curse in reverse. And just like Adam turned a garden into a grave, Jesus turned a grave so into a garden. So now it's just grace upon grace upon grace and favor upon favor upon favor. But we're still here and we're still standing. And we got Jesus, so we've got the victory. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Preacher Think, where I take thoughts, download it from God, and upload them to you via the lens of grace and kingdom. I am the creator of Preacher Think and your host, Chad Joyner, and I am excited to share with you today what we're going to take the time to share with you. And of course, I want to say Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023, and I believe that we're going to start this year off with a bang because I want to springboard from this thought. Preachers preach the gospel, help the hurting and those in need, and then pray like crazy because you don't know how to do either one of those. Stuart Briscoe was quoted as saying that. And I think at the core of what he was saying there, Stuart was saying, let's humble ourselves. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that inspires anything that is set apart and good. It's not a, a self-centered goodness. It's a Christ-centered greatness. And we, you and I, we are just the messengers delivering God's message of grace. Far too often, we have heard good advice preached, but we have not heard the good news being preached. We've heard a gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And of course, we have not heard the gospel. And a friend of Preacher Think, Mr. Travis Hall, or Pastor Travis Hall, rather, once said, in some cases, the church has been life coached so much from the pulpit for so long that gospel preaching and sound theology is actually delivered, when it is delivered, is dismissed as irrelevant. And there is tons of people preaching that are well-versed in the Bible, but they are not well-versed in the gospel. You need to know that there is indeed a difference between being well-versed in the Bible and being well-versed in the gospel. We are still hearing a plethora of preaching from platforms and pulpits today that speak of the old man in Adam rather than the new man in Christ Jesus. We hear uh, a lot in regard to conditional forgiveness being preached. Uh, if you forgive, then God will forgive you. And if then gospel, rather than the since therefore gospel that we have been given. The since therefore gospel says that since Christ has already forgiven you or already forgiven us, 
Therefore, we get to forgive. That's Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. We hear constant preaching on sin from a religious old covenant law-based paradigm, keeping people in bondage rather than a constant preaching of the son, Jesus, from a relational new covenant grace and kingdom paradigm, which sets the captive free. It sets people in liberty. You see, the gospel says that the old covenant excites sin or arouses sin. That's Romans chapter seven, verse five. And the strength of sin is what? The old covenant law. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 56. While on the other hand, uh, new covenant grace teaches us to say no to sin. That's Titus 2, verses 12 through 14. And furthermore, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 2 says, in a nutshell, if they would have had the quality of forgiveness in the old covenant that we have on this side of the cross in the new covenant because of the finished work of Christ, they wouldn't have even had consciousness of sin or even feel guilty about their sin. You see, in the old covenant, the priest stood up day after day offering sacrifice after sacrifice on the day of atonement. And people would get their sins atoned for and, uh, for uh, an entire year. But in the new covenant, we see the exact opposite. Jesus didn't go to the cross day after day to atone for sin. Jesus went to the cross one time, the cross worked the first time, and the Bible says, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And when he uh, uh, took away all of our sins, better than just atoning for our sins, when he took away our sins, he took them away not just for an entire year, but he took them away for our entire lifetime. But what we've done is preach this uh, conditional forgiveness and telling people that they've got to continue to hope and wait and beg and plead and bow down and grovel at the feet of Jesus in order to continue to get forgiven. And they've got to do this day after day. Don't you understand that if we keep giving people that message, that's actually making the gospel worse than it even was in the old covenant. In the old covenant, the sacrifices at least atone for your sin for an entire year. My goodness, we're telling people that day after day that they got to continue to do this thing. So we understand that, that, that the gospel, uh, according to Jesus Christ, says that we are completely forgiven. And again, they, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, if they would have had the same quality of forgiveness that we have now in the new covenant, no longer under law, but under grace, that they wouldn't even have consciousness of sin. They wouldn't even be thinking about their sin. They wouldn't feel guilty about their sin. And there's a kamikaze of condemnation being hurled at people week in and week out from men and women of influence. Another friend of uh, the Preacher Think podcast, Mr. Damon Redding, you guys may remember him from last season, was here from Be Heard, period, addresses these outlandish condemning um, uh, commentary commentaries that we hear week in and week out from churches constantly. I mean, matter of fact, he just was speaking on a pastor recently who was condemning a gentleman. I don't know exactly what the context was in this uh, church gathering, this church service, this worship experience, but he pronounced cancer on this man if, if something didn't change, if his behavior didn't change. And I was like, my goodness, how in the world 
can we be pronouncing condemnation and curses on people when we know that Jesus came and he reversed the curse and everything that Adam did to turn a garden into a grave, Jesus took it in reverse and turned the grave into a garden. Performance-based Christianity has people errantly believing that in order to participate in the religion for winners or Christianity, that we've got to do more and be more and do better and be better and that we are defined by what we do. But that can't be farther from the truth. The truth is, is not that we're defined by what we do, but it is that we are identified with Christ for what he did for us on the cross. Remember Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ and now I live in him and the, the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and still loves you by the way and me and died for me, died for us, died for you, died for me. So many believers think that we're still climbing the rough side of the mountain, so to speak, trying to get up to God when the gospel declared that he came down to us. He died our death so we could live his life. And now whoever has the son has the life. That's first John chapter five, verse 12. So when Stuart Briscoe says, preach the gospel, we need to be declaring, we need to be declaring the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, the classic three-point message. We need to be declaring the total and complete forgiveness of sin, that it will never be reattached to us again. Behold, I will remember their sins no more. I'll never reattach their sins to them again. We need to be preaching a liberty in Jesus that can never be snatched away. We need to be preaching an affirmation that says believers are set apart for the purposes of God, that we are upright, that we are not guilty, that we're more than conquerors, that we are the righteousness of God, that we are the royalty of God. We need to be preaching a gospel that we are the people of his own possession, that we are the sons and the daughters, that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he'll never turn his back on us, he'll never abandon us that we are dead to sin and alive to him. Did you hear what I just said? We are dead to sin and alive to God. Now, when Stuart Briscoe says, help those that are hurting and in need, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Don't just express the gospel, but declare the gospel, exhibit the gospel. The new covenant is littered with passages that lend themselves to this truth. Galatians 2, uh, 6, verse, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. Romans 12, 13, uh, contribute to the needs of God's people. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5, take care of widows and orphans. But when Briscoe says that last piece, that piece where he said, then pray like crazy because you don't know how to do either one of the first two things, I, I really think that we need to hone in on what he's saying there because he's drilling down into something that we need to take notice of. Um, he's talking about talking to dad, God, to inquire about expressing and exhibiting Jesus, humbling yourself under the hand of the Lord and being led by the Holy Spirit in declaring and demonstrating, expressing and exhibiting the gospel. 
Holy Spirit's role in expressing and exhibiting Jesus is vital because he is our comforter, he is our counselor, and our guide into all truth according to John's gospel. Most of us have only been taught the very opposite of that. Most of us have only been taught a nebulous, spooky view of the Holy Spirit that beats us up when we do wrong, uh, that steps on our toes on Sunday morning, um, that whips us into being fine soldiers of, of, of God and the army of the Lord and makes us talk funny and flop around on the floor like a flounder so we can look super spiritual. But that is completely off base from everything that's got anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comforts us because we already have enough discomfort from the world coming at us and our own misdeeds and our own, and the consequences that come from those misdeeds. Holy Spirit reminds us of who we truly are in Christ Jesus because we get enough on, of, uh, 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 of our own selves and, and our own conscience beating us up in the world, telling us that we are already as low as dirt. Holy Spirit guides us into all things truth, all things Jesus. Why? Because he is the spirit and knows the way that Christ wants us to go is better than any direction our myth of independence will lead us. Did you hear what I just said? Our myth of independence, our myth of thinking that we don't need Jesus. Our myth of independence can only lead us to a place of destruction, to a place of despair. And Holy Spirit knows so much better than that. So we put our complete and total trust and dependence in him to be able to be led by him. And in regard to humbling ourselves under the hand of the Lord, it's not about thinking less of ourselves, but it's about thinking of ourselves less. It's about understanding the authority we have is, is much more about who we're under than who we're over. The authority that we have as believers is what's called a borrowed influence or a borrowed authority uh, to, as vessels, extend and expand the kingdom in the earth. And humbling ourselves under the hand of the Lord as messengers, in which all of us are, don't just think that it's just about pastors and preachers and teachers and apostles and all of that kind of good stuff. Just because they have a title doesn't mean uh, that they're the only messengers. We all are messengers, all of us that proclaim the name of, of Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We're all messengers of Jesus Christ, uh, humbling our ourselves under the hand of the Lord in regard to being messengers. That's got nothing to do with God crushing us into a fine powder if we don't teach as eloquently as another one, uh, another person or uh, our version of helping others. It doesn't meet the, the, the status quo and looks different in, in regard to how we help people as long as they're being helped. What does it really matter? It's got, but see, it has nothing to do with that, but it's got everything to do with keeping all things Christ-centered rather than self-centered. As we do that, we are exalted. Did you hear what I just said? As we do that, we, we are exalted. Have you ever considered or has anybody ever even told you that God wants to elevate you and not pummel you? Normally, that's all that we're ever hearing, and, and especially in a lot of religious settings, is that you got to get down, you got to get low on the ground, and you got to, again, hope and wait, beg and plead and grovel and tell God about how unworthy you are. And, and, and then once you do that, then somehow we've come up with this notion that once you do that, 
Then God says, look at my humble servant on the ground, beating himself up. Ah, that makes me happy. And if that's the case, man, we've got like a pitiful view of, of Jesus. If that's what we think that what this thing is all about. Since we died with Christ and we've been buried with Christ and we've been raised with him to newness of life, our agenda should be to humble ourselves out of the ability to do so from the new self, the new creation that we've been made in Christ Jesus. God's agenda is to elevate us. How do I know that? First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself under the hand of the Lord that he, God, might exalt you at the right time. You see, God wants to elevate you. God wants to exalt us. God wants to lift us up. And since we're the new creation in Christ, the reason he wants to lift us up is, and the reason he instructs us to humble our, ourselves under the hand of the Lord is not that he's going to, uh, he, not that he's going to humble us, but that he wants to see us living up to the, to the potential, to the new creation status that he has made us as sons and daughters. God's not competing with us, y'all. He's not competing with our hobbies or anything that's in and around our lives like we've been taught that, that you know, if you've got this, you know, you need, you need to bring yourself down and humble yourself because you're doing this hobby too much or, or you're indulging in this thing. Too. God is not worried about competing with you in that regard. That's why we get to humble ourselves. We know his life. We know that Jesus is our life and all of the good things that he's already done for us. So humbling ourselves is not about bringing Christ down, but rather to bring us up to the agreement with him that who he says he are, who, who, who he says we are. The most humble thing that we could ever do is agree with God about who he says we are. Humbling yourselves means coming into agreement with God about who he says we are, not groveling and begging and pleading and calling ourselves things that God doesn't call us or saying things that sound humble and sound super spiritual on the surface, but have no merit because of what the gospel says. For example, I mean, we hear these type of cliche lines all of the time in the Christian community, in the big C church, we hear people say things like, you know, I'm, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, that's, that's not true. You were a sinner. Then you were saved by grace. Now you're called a saint and you sometimes sin. Why? Because the world still comes at you and we still try to relate to the old man in Adam instead of the new man that we've been made in Christ Jesus. But you've been saved by grace. You're not just, a, you're not just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner then you were saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8. And now you're called a saint. Not only that, we hear stuff like, um, you know, uh, I, when God, you know, he's giving you an idea, he's giving you a vision for something and you're really going after it and people admire your ambition. And, you know, you, you, you try to say things humbly like, well, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do. You know, I don't, I don't want to get in God's way. Let me go ahead and tell you right now, you, you can't even do that. You're not big enough. You ain't bad enough. You're not strong enough. None of us can get in God's way. You can't hinder God. <laughs> if God wants to move and if God wants to do something, you don't have to worry about getting in God's way. If God made you a strong person, if God made you a, a, a what they would consider a, um, a uh, type A personality, 
be that person, be type A, be, be strong, be boisterous, be, be loud, be bold, be confident. It's who God made you. If God in and through your personality is, is operating in and through you that way, it's completely okay for you to do and just be who you are. Um, you know, if somebody, you know, tries to give you a compliment, we hear people say things like, man, nah, you know, I, I appreciate it, but you know, it, it, it was all God. No, it wasn't all God. Just say thank you and understand that it was 100% you and 100% God. God didn't get rid of you when he came into your life. You got a new heart, you got a new spirit, and you've been made, your new human spirit has been made one with the spirit of the Lord per Colossians. So and you, you've got a mind, you've got a will, you've got emotions, you've got a body, you've got a personality that God works in and through, an authentic and genuine personality. So it's not just 100% God and 0% you just over here being passive and lazy. No, that's not the case. It's 100% God and 100% you. It's all God and all of you. You don't have to be afraid of your new self. Your new self, you are the new creation in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be afraid of you. And if we believe any of this stuff, any of those aforementioned lines that I just said, this stuff that we hear all of the time in the church, and we believe any of this stuff about us as believers in Christ, then again, we have got a frail, poor, pitiful view of Jesus and his finished work on the cross. And we really need to go back and we need to renew our minds and revisit what it is to humble ourselves under the hand of the Lord, meaning to agree with him about what he says about us. And he says that we're holy. He says that we're righteous. He says that we're blameless. So as Stuart Briscoe said, messengers preach the gospel, the classic three-point message of the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, which was our death, our burial of the old man, and the resurrection of the new self in Christ Jesus, and preach total forgiveness in Christ Jesus, complete liberty, affirmation that comes from God that motivates us and inspires us, identity as sons and daughters, and that we have the life because we have the son. Help the hurting and those in need, no matter whatever your method is, the way those in need Help them the way that they desire to be helped in a moment. Show them that love of Christ and help them in the moment the way that they desire to be helped. And as Stuart Briscoe said, then pray like crazy because you don't know how to do either one of those first two things. Meaning, talk to dad, operate in dependence upon his lead, and enjoy the huge slice of humble pie and Holy Spirit along the way. Let's humble ourselves, y'all, and talk to dad about expressing and exhibiting the good news because it is the Holy Spirit that inspires anything that is set apart and good that's in us. That spirit from God that he has given us that when we talk to dad, Holy Spirit motivates and inspires us from that talk that we have with dad. And again, he motivates and inspires us to not a self-centered goodness, but a Christ-centered greatness. Again, remember, we are just the messengers delivering God's message of grace. We're not delivering our own message and our own mail. We're delivering God's mail.
Well, we're about to run out of time, but we hope that you have enjoyed the program for today, the show for today. We hope that you'll connect with us and we hope that you'll continue to live out your life at the pace of grace. You guys be blessed. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Think by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Think via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at preacherthink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.